Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, you've probably been wondering where the heck Dumdum was last week. Well, suffice to say, we had catastrophic technical problems. Uh, we recorded it at least we attempted to record it on Monday of last week and a whole litany of issues. We then picked the ball up again on Tuesday and the problems did not stop. So I've been trying to resurrect some semblance of a podcast, but um, it's somewhat lopsided because not only did we have a lot of problems recording it, but then Kerry's audio was lost. So what you're going to have for the next, I don't know, uh, 20 odd minutes is the start of the podcast, some caller in us, a tiny bit of chat, just to put down a marker to say that we did attempt to do a dum de dum last week. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. This is Dumpty Dum, this show about the reality docudrama that are centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Militon, the small vacuum hand pump who goes by the name of Royfield Brown. Alongside me, we have the love shack that is... Kerry Warbis. And then there's the nostril pastor who goes by the name of... Peter Fickling. And the last part of the farm, moving in opposite directions, folks, is you, our lovely listeners. This week's Dumpty Dum is from Jeff. I'm going to have to retire you now, Jeff. So, folks, we need a new Dumpty Dum for next week. On this week's episode, we hear views from Matthew Weir, Sarah Spilsbury, Apple Android app, Witherspoon Glynn, and Young Keith. But first, it's Amber's week that was Ambridge. Hello, Dumpty Dum. I'm Amber, and on this week in Ambridge... Ben and Rory decide to build a love nest. As someone who has been and continues to be a young woman, I can tell you now that nothing gets my pulse racing more than condensation, lack of central heating and a cassette toilet. Alice is fine. Absolutely fine. 
totally fine. How dare anyone think that the road out of addiction wouldn't be completely linear? Latest update in Kirsty looking suspicious as hell, she visits Philip in prison. Philip gives us his death rattle as he attempts just one more little manipulation round. Is this man capable of being honest? Resounding nopes all round. Ambridge's Got Talent might just be back on the cards, as Jade showcases her extraordinary pasta-based party trick. For all those who underestimate her prowess, yes, I did try it, yes, I did nearly lobotomize myself, and yes, Penne is undoubtedly the best pasta for the task. And that was the week in Ambridge. As always, tip top. Well done, Amber. If it's a Pete and Kerry week, it means there's a hot topic of the week. And today's hot topic is Jade. How long will it be before we become jaded? Pete Fickling, as always, you pick the controversial, the tip-top, the erudite, the pertinent topics of the week. What are your feelings on our Jade? Well, it's Jade, um, isn't it? She's she's the worst. She's the absolute worst human being that's ever lived, ever. And people have heard me moan at length, ad nauseum, about Ruth, about Lee, about Russ, about the lot of them. And I kind of felt like... The scriptwriters had seen our bitching and whining over the previous years, not just us, you know, the whole Archer's community, and said, fine, if you want a truly detestable, um, sort of epoch-definingly dreadful character, we'll give you one. And th- that's what we got, Pennegate. She's shaking things up, though, isn't she, Jade? This she She's described as the one-woman Mardi Gras. Oh, I, I must have missed that. I mean, it, yeah, the, it was just sort of lobes of my brain were kind of folding in on, my, on themselves when she was on air. So it was probably quite difficult to take in anything in any detail. But there's a reason why a Mardi Gras only happens very rarely, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and the, and you stop going to them when you're about 23. And <laughs> a, a surprising number of female friends who've sort of like, you know, they've all got their um, flashing their tit story from Mardi Gras and, and none of them, you, you, these and these are all people who you could never imagine doing it, part, you know, once they're, you know, proper grown-ups. Mm. Does, you know, what, what was it, activity weekend? I mean, just I mean, she, like like you're hinting, Kerry. She's doing a very effective job. If if the purpose is to drive us and Jazza into the arms of Tracy Hor- Tracy Horriman and settle into their future long term relationship, it, she's a very effective tool. Yeah, they're subtle like that, aren't they? The <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, known for their subtlety, I think you know she's being billed clearly as too much for Jazza to handle, even though he's kind of said, well, oh, he said a horrible thing, didn't he, about, um, do, you, do you think I'd rather be with a single mother of two? I want excitement. Yeah. Uh, so she she's supposedly exciting, and that involves lots of tequila. Oh, Jazza calling sick from work because he's so hungover and losing the pay from having done that. Yeah. Um, having to listen to her say buddy all the time. Oh, yeah, exactly. Awful. That would just, I have a, a very dear friend who, who dumped a, an otherwise wonderful, um, wonderful girl just cause she just wouldn't stop calling him nicknames. And so she had, <laughs> she had to go because, because it was either that or that or have the courage of having that conversation with her. And that was never going to happen. So, you know, obviously at that age, not all not all of us can have Warbis-like directness and honesty, Kerry. <laughs> okay, fair point. But let's forget. Let's forget. Yeah, let's forget. <laughs> let's 
remember. That's what I meant. Um, we could forget Jade if we wish to. But Jim did say, bless Jim, that he's reserving his judgment until he knows her better. So mm. should we all be a bit more Jim-like and uh, think- do, do exactly that? My dad is, um, how old is he? He's in his early 70s. He was a young man when he had me. And I, he and I have had some fairly frank conversations recently where I've said I'm quite happy with the values that impatient, angry, impetuous him taught me when he was, you know, like 22, 20, 23, 24-year-old. Um, he's very, very zen now. He's always tr- working incredibly hard, hard to stay calm and see the best in every situation. And I, I think it's a, it's an attractive quality in a kind of, you know, like, like, like Jim, my dad was, you know, formerly quite sort of intemperate and maybe kind of quick to, not, not, you know, not, not aggressive, not as with Jim, a very nice man, but, you know, quick to, quick to opinion. And I think it's, you know, men, men of their, you know, it's, it's a nice quality in men of their advancing years to sort of mellow and try and see the best in everyone. And maybe that's what Jim's doing. He's, he's trying to be a good friend to, to Jazza, I mean, she, she, she. Let's just be very clear. She blew uncooked pasta into his Cicero mug. I mean, that's pretty poor behaviour. Yeah, but he's still being tolerant despite that. Yeah, it's his love of Jazza, isn't it? That's all it is. It's his knowledge that you know he has to do right by Jazza. Yeah. What was the? He he did a Latin quote, didn't he? What was that? It was to do with uh, Roy Roy Field Iuntis in Perpetuum, I think. <laughs> That, that that was oh, the one. It yeah, it was something to do with other people's tastes and having to tolerate them, wasn't it? As something is pleasurable in the in the in the moment or something, I can't remember. Or anyway, yeah, mm. which is somewhat apt because Cicero was a stickler for a pure form of Latin and was not one of the people at all. He was an optimate, so he was all about Roman traditions and things being done correctly. So it's not by accident that he was this Guscordi behaviour was happening and she uh, spits out the uh, the pasta into a Cicero mug because Cicero would have utterly, utterly been disgusted by that behaviour. Was she that badly behaved? But are we all being a bit prudish? I mean, is, is it is it basically snobbery from the archers community that we all dislike so much? I, I mean, should we all just be a bit more fun? I don't see it as bad behaviour necessarily, although calling Jim Jimmy yeah. can be construed as being that when you've only just met him. But uh, that, again... And he specifically snobbery. said don't. Yeah, exactly. And then she carried on. It's that sort of forced fun type situation where like, hey, we're so wacky. Look at us. We're blowing pasta out of our nostrils. That sort of just makes me really guess. Kerry and I were having a little chat earlier on this afternoon, Royfield, and you and I were giving um, uh, Lee a bit of a kicking. Lee is so kind of like overly nice and sort of conscious, sort of just almost sort of his niceness feels like an assault. He doesn't give you any room. To, he, he kind of dictates the pace of the conversation by being so nice. And it's that same thing. She, she is, it's not allowing you to be yourself. That's basically the point, isn't it? Any, whether it's bad behavior or good behavior, it's people who, who just sort of dictate the environment and leave nothing, no room for anyone else. Yeah, exactly that. So, you know, you wouldn't be, I think Jazza feels he can't not go to the activity weekend. He's already trying to ponce money off Johnny in advance for homebrew to go and do it. Just say, I don't want to, or I can't see, afford it or something. I, I, my, my immediate reaction to um, the boys setting up their love caravan was 
kind mm. of a bit sort of like, oh God, that's that's tragic. And then suddenly I thought, no, no, it makes a lot of sense for them to set up their love caravan. Why? You know, these are they don't have their they don't have access mm. to their houses. They can't go to hotels. They're you know they're men they're they're very young men with raging libidos, and also their girlfriends or potential girlfriends, and of course boyfriends in um, Roy's case probably are just as keen to have sex and will turn a blind eye to a you know a couple of um, cockroaches in a, a mouldy old cushion or two. You know, it's 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 eminently practical to get the um the caravan in place. But you know, Jazza doesn't have that excuse. He's in he's well into his thirties. I mean, there's mm-hmm. no amount that no, sex cannot be that good that you you know that you would keep on heaping that level of indignity on yourself. She's so annoying. I mean, maybe for one night just to sort of like try it out, but not week after week. Is he therefore doing it to not to spite Tracy, but to sort of show Tracy? Look, I. It's all very childish, this, isn't it? Because lots of people on Twitter are saying he doth protest too much when he's saying, you know, Tracy's ancient history. I want this, you know, exciting Jade character instead. Does he though? Really? Yeah, and also she's not exciting, is she? She's um, she, it, it's all, it's all um, it's like they bought the Ladybird book of um, what kids do, two thousand and twenty-one, yeah. you know, and then they've kind of like copied out stuff from the first ten pages. I mean, it, it's it's not how you know truly exciting people, d- d- you know, don't need to buy adventure weekends. They create the adventure themselves. Is that you know that just the conversation alone will be enough? Yeah, because she disparagingly said, "Oh, why would we stay in or something?" That's like knitting jigsaws. I thought that sounded quite good, actually. Yeah, and I mean, compliment incoming, Kerry. Fish and chips, fish and chips on the beach in Brighton with you is potentially more adventurous than the <laughs> uh, than the purchased adventure of going away for with Jay for the weekend. You know, um, to uh, go what was it, spelunking or something? Yeah, jet skiing, jumping off rocks. Oh, sounds horrendous to me. Yeah. I mean, Jade wouldn't even know how to cook lamb, let alone think of popping it in her pockets to feed a uh, drunken pop star. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and you're right. Like, oh, if Jazza is, you know, knocking on 40 or whatever, she's probably about the same. Is is this? Isn't she supposed to be young, younger? I vaguely get the sense that maybe Jazza had sort of been an in age inappropriate guest at a party, and that's how he met her. I, I felt like it was a kind of a Johnny and um, Freddie style party that Jade had been at, and then Jazza was kind of like you know not gate crashing exactly, but was kind of you know the weird old guy in the corner. All oh, right, okay. Well, she's either going to be a stayer or one of those fleeting talking characters that they keep dropping in from time to time then. Yeah, which I quite like, which I quite like. At least, you know, your blood got pumping and you, you knew you were alive when she was on, whereas the Ruth and Ruth and David, you know, arguing over um, sheep versus cows. Yeah. Uh, Lee, Lee wetting the bed with excitement because he was having a Tuesday big Chinese, um, you <laughs> know. Toast. I mean, come on. With extra prawn toast. Oh yes, exactly. Yeah, just to to to, to celebrate his um his con, you know his impending jail sentence, mm. um, lifetime sentence trapped with Helen and the boys. Someone kind of um, pulled me up on it and said, uh, actually, you know, he's quite sexy and he's you know, he's a very nice man. And I then sort of I, I sort of quizzed them a bit, and it seemed that his sexiness and his desirability was based on the fact that he is a good good solid man so i have i have tried to see things from the other side that you know if you are helen if you have had the life she's had then lee is probably a very good bet and a very very pleasant way of spending a a weekend or an evening oh god anyone who says i'll settle for beef satay with spring onions because that's more of a tuesday meal 
one of the one of the kind of shorthands they use for male sexiness is they're kind of like they're good at sport. I'm always suspicious of men who are into martial arts. I'm always, I I think if you drew a Venn diagram of men who are into martial arts, it's like they've washed out of all the other sports. They've got some kind of massive chip on their shoulder about their masculinity, so they go and get in their pajamas and roll around on some mats and try and you know learn some kind of um pseudo Asian fighting styles. And I know that that's not true of everyone, but you know, and I have I have been that tragic man who has um, done, you know, put on the pajamas and done the kicking and the rolling around on the mats. So I do have some, I do know a little bit of what I'm speaking about. I did take my kids to do Taekwondo for some period of time. They were really good at it. I mean, because that's how I ended up doing judo as I was, I, you know, that they did it at my school. My dad took me every Thursday to do it. So yes, that's how I ended up doing it. But mm. Oh, and I did the kicking one. What's it called? Uh, kickboxing as well. How did you? I, I'm reasonably flexible and I was very keen as well. So I was sort of progressed quite fast. I don't, you know, I'm not, whether I was good or not is for other people to say, but I progressed quite fast because I was, you know, I was really throwing myself into it. And I got kind of got hauled from class to class in quick succession uh, until this kind of 14 year old French boy tap danced on my face for about half an hour. I was going to say when I was rudely interrupting you that uh, you were describing yourself then when you said you're deeply suspicious of people who take up these sports. No, because I I didn't do it because I'm terrible at sport, Kerry. That's and I'm oh, not saying that sorry. to be arrogant. I mean, I'm not saying I'm good at sport, but I'm not one of these. I'm not one of the and and also the kind of um, maybe it's more of an American thing. You know, the kind of um, the cliched you, you drive through an American small town and somehow these minuscule communities can support a. Uh, five bars, uh, five fast food outlets, and a, and a karate dojo. There's somehow there's always a karate dojo in each of these towns, and you see the kind of you see the sensei walking out, and they're they're always very disappointing human beings. <laughs> Goodness, right. <laughs> On, on that note, folks, from small town America, maybe uh, we, we should uh, go back to Blighty, to the imaginary village that is Ambridge via our good listeners. If you would like to sing or play us a dumpty dum or leave us a plot prediction, then call us or, or leave us a message on SpeakPipe on dumptydum.com. Hello, Ambridge 3962. First off, we go to northern Portugal. It's Matthew Weir. Greetings all Dumpty Dummers, Royfield and lovely co-hosts. It's Matthew here in northern Portugal. This week, we were treated to an ongoing verbal exchange between Queen of the Cow Freaks, Ruth, and Lord of Lambswall, David, with David lamenting that once upon a time we shared the same vision, although he failed to point out that it was the vision of a hundred-foot-tall Montbelliard, shortly after Ruth had knocked up an omelette with those unusual-looking mushrooms she'd found in the top field. Meanwhile, you love interest and all-round pain in the arse Jade was wowing Jimbo and Jazzer with her amusing party trick of firing Penny from her nose into a coffee mug. And when Jim added a little Latin punditry, Jade bristled, only for Jazzer to assure her. Prof's conversations are littered with deed romans, which intriguingly can also be said of Tracy's locked basement. And amid all of this, David and Ruth were completely played by Ambridge's most cunning of influences, the Alindanati, with the Snell MBE tricking Ruth into surrendering the barn for the performances. And additionally, Dirty Harrison was talked into swapping his badge and gun for his tadge in a loincloth, playing none other than Jesus. I guess Harrison does work in mysterious plays. And then Ben and Rory were hard at work planning the reinvention of their rusty trailer into a caravan of love sucks. 
perhaps this could be a wider business venture for Amorous Ambridge. As we all know, it was only in the kid-free safety of the cricket pavilion that Tracy was able to observe the quality of Jazz's Googlies. I suggest more of Ambridge could avail of this service, each with their own do not disturb sign. For Trazer, if the door lock is bust, then we're stuffing a crust. And for Helen and Lee, if this trailer is askew, then we're sploshing Mr. Wen's meal for two. And for David and Ruth, if this caravan's a clanking, then we're sat in here wondering about dairy expansion due to reduced returns on lambing. Ciao, Genji. Stay safe. Obrigado. It's very, very dense in a good way. And it's a testament to Mr. Weir's comedic talents that even after listening to it now six times, as we struggle with day two of, you know, technical problems, uh, it's still funny. Greetings to the world of Dumpty Dum from Sarah Spilsbury in Smethwick. Or should I use my nickname, Spill, in line with numerous Ambridge residents answering to new names this week? First, we had Rory suddenly answering to Roz, whilst he and Ben planned the Ambridge Love Shack. And as if that wasn't Larry enough, we then had the dubious pleasure of meeting Jade, who referred to Jim by all manner of names except her. Jim, uh, she got up to no good in nefarious acts involving pasta and a Cicero coffee mug. Has the poor man not been through enough already? Usually, the benefit of radio is that pictures are better. But on this occasion, I wish that they hadn't been. OK, well, that's uh, my two penneth. Sorry, bits. Big compliment to Sarah Spilsbury. I think she is pretty much the exact opposite of Jade in every possible way. It's sort of on the, on the cosmic seesaw, on the seesaw of life. Sarah is at the very opposite end of that seesaw. Now, moving swiftly on, we have Apple Android app. Hi, everyone. It's Miranda here, uh, Apple Android app. Now, you asked me what I thought about Davies and Ruth. The quick answer would be, I don't know why I've spent so much of my life listening to both of them. Highlights of David's life. I'm going to look for some positives. He used to be the NFU area rep and he used to go around helping them solve their problems and doing all the things he doesn't do now. He used to listen. He used to be well informed. He used to be curious. All that's gone. On the downside, um, he murdered badgers. He bumped off Clary's dad with a tree. And he encouraged Nigel to do his roof diving. It's it's just not on, really, is it? Plus point, oh, we had a bit of a thing with dopey Sophie. But inevitably, that came to absolutely nothing. Then Ruth. Well, Ruth is the student placement who got lucky, really, isn't she? She had a generosity of soul bypass at first. And she's a grudge-bearing woman. Why does she assume that because she's a farmer, she has to live in that house and have no culinary skills? I mean, it's not mutually exclusive. What do they have in common? Um, well, they both love misery, don't they? Um, they love fear of change. They've got a lack of curiosity, um, an inability to run and grow a business. Yeah, we could just stop with the summary, couldn't we? If you're self-aware, you can sort of recognise your faults. And Kerry, you're a confident person. I'm a confident person. Royfield is as well. Maybe a kind of like ego correction officer who you can call up when you're getting a bit big, big, big for your boots. I mean, if Miranda, if I heard that description of my, you know, of me from Miranda, I think I'd, I'd sort of, you know, I'd shrink. 
is with a spoon with some stuff. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, everyone in Dumpty Dum Towers and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. Someone I'm not going to talk about today, nor touch with a 10-foot penny, is Jade, who sounded 50 and acted 15. Though she did inspire my Saturday Snap Facebook post question, what's your favorite pasta dish? So for that, I will be forever grateful to her. But do let's talk about Kirsty and Philip. Most of us have agreed that Kirsty's pursuit to locate the lads is seemingly counterproductive and may get her in trouble with the police or with the criminals, but it has led to two very well-done scenes, first with Gavin and this past week with Philip. I've talked about this before. Philip is a stew of psychological defense mechanisms that is ready to bubble over. His denial and isolation of affect are so strong and he has so convinced himself of the truthfulness of his beliefs that he sounds practically delusional. However, there were moments in his conversation with Kirsty in which reality seeped into his brain, and he seemed to recognize that he was just lying. When he told Kirsty that he was so fearful of going to jail, he sounded most in touch with his emotions. Despite Philip's fears, I think he will eventually plead guilty and tell the authorities what he knows about Blake and the others because he can actually protect the woman he loves from possible danger. If that's the case, then Kirsty's actions will have proved to be correct. Who would have thunk it? Talk to you soon. Mm. So Philip sounded the most genuine when he was unrepentant and in denial and fearful of going to jail. Yeah, he's not a nice man. I mean, you know, as usual here with the controversial comments. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so was was um with us been basically saying that the ends justified the means then. Kirsty mm-hmm. kind of like potentially breaking the law. I mean, some people have said jeopardizing the, the you know the case. I mean, any yeah. evidence that they have against Philip is potentially sort of the waters the waters are muddied by you know the way that she's being sort of popping between um you know sort of potentially illegal visits to mm. two people who are on on remand is that the correct phrase anyway yeah from a kind of editorial point of view it doesn't feel like the ends are justified the means because it's been a, as as i've said many times it's just been i've had enough and it's been a just a tortuous couple of weeks listening to kirsty traipse around sort of dealing with her um dealing with her stress but yeah i mean mm. i i guess all's well that ends well it was hard to know the actual point of that because she went to try and find out information about where the location of the of the lads but didn't so all she really learned was that she wants to throw her wedding ring away yeah but witherspoon was saying that he thinks that he thinks that philip's going to plead guilty and that it's all going to all going to work itself out i mean but to be to be fair to him he he did he was bang on in his assessment of philip and his assessment of kirsty so you know Let's go with his version of events. Let's see what happens. Yep. Um, well, if you've been following the Archers this week, you'll know whether with the spoon is correct or not, but we couldn't possibly tell you on this podcast <laughs> today. Now, it's Glenn Full of Love. He's out and about and he's doing stuff somewhere up north. Well, North Midlands, Derbyshire, probably. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Glenn here. Uh, on location, this week's location is an old-fashioned railway signal box in honour of Tony Archer and his recent 70th birthday. More of that on the Facebook page. Now, on to last week's Archers. So uh, Kirsty went to see Philip 
and Philip is completely unrepentant and in denial. But I will leave that to others because uh, I want to talk about what was happening at Brookfield, where now if you've got a really important decision to take about the farm, what do you do if you're Ruth? Do you call a meeting, uh, prepare papers in advance, get the family to all sit down and discuss it rationally and take a careful, considered decision? Or do you decide that you'll talk to your husband and business partner about it while he's in the middle of a complicated lambing? Now, Ruth may have done that deliberately, on the basis that she knew it was going to wind David up and a couple of days later he'd feel quite guilty about that and be more willing to give to give her what she wanted or let's be more fair to Ruth she may have realized that having the sensible business meeting and rational decision was a waste of time because two or three days later David would turn around and say he had a vision involving a toy farm and a voice from his dead father and it's changed his mind completely. Anyway, it's no way to run a business. If they'd been locked down like the rest of us for the last six months, I might have had a bit more sympathy. But since um, Ambridge is still the only place in Britain where you can get a, uh, a socially distanced pint, uh, my sympathy is wearing thin. Anyway, all from me. Stay safe, everybody. Have a great week. Bye. Thank you, Glyn. Did you hear that, um, Kerry? I think someone's yeah. Glyn's, um, Glyn's collection of piercings were kind of jangling halfway through. <laughs> I mean, all of his nipple rings and kind of like, you know, Mr. T jewellery was all jingling and a jangling. I mean, I think that's what it was. Or that or a, that or a fence he was climbing over. One You're of the probably two. right, though. <laughs> yeah, one of the two. <laughs> it is no way to run a business, I think, in a nutshell, is it? Really? Yeah, that, that, he, that, he absolutely nailed it. That was, yeah. yeah. It just, I think the thing that really gets to me is the lack of manners. Basically, you're, you're all trapped in houses. with we're, we're all yearning for company or we're getting too much of it, one of the two. And you have to be incredibly delicate and sensitive to the other person's feelings when you are spending so much time with someone. They've been in lockdown for decades on that farm, never seeing yeah. anyone. So, you know, you'd think they would be a little bit better at dealing with each other and showing sensitivity to each other's feelings. And uh, to round off, we have young Keith, who in my mind's eye, sometimes I'll get mixed up with Matthew Weir. I don't know. Yeah, I do as well. So, but you know, it, I think it's because they both got sort of a sparkly, lively personalities. Yeah, you know, proper, a little bit naughty, but fun mm. with it too. <laughs> Hello, resident expert young Keith here. Just, would you say hiding, cowering? in my cupboard in my classroom trying to get this message out before the kids come in just a short one really about a bit of a grumble uh johnny really getting on my nerves this week the way that he talks to jazza is so patronizing he must be i think he went to he was going to college wasn't he with freddie so he must be what 20 and jazza what nearly 40 the way he talks to him as if he's like his mate advising him on his first trip down to the pub Oh, do you want to maybe take it easy, mate? Yeah, you need to have your down days as well. You know, I know Jade's a bit of fun and all this. So just let, okay, we all know where this is going in terms of plot, that Jazz is going to go running back to the arms of Tracy, but just Johnny getting on my nerves this week. <gasps> he really does sound like Matthew, doesn't he? And he's in a classroom like Matthew. Yeah, yeah. It, it's mm-hmm. very easy to get mixed up. Yeah. yeah, not not you know not when you're engaged with one of them. I mean, it's a, that's obviously young Keith, but sort of like yeah, they 
they're both in the same, they live in the same mm. sort of joyous part of your brain. I was really irritated with um, Johnny this week, partly because he's undergone this massive personality change. Like he was, he could barely leave the house uh, just a, just half a year ago for fear of his hair falling out. The strimmer goes over his head and he buys himself a car and he's now suddenly the, you know, the, the, the big swinging D, isn't he? Complete switch in personality. It's, it's very yeah. odd. I didn't mind him giving Jazza that advice because I think, I mean, because I do think Jazza kind of has left himself open to it. But he's right, though, isn't it? That and the impersonation was amazing. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. I mean, yeah, it's, he's he still could. I mean, I thought, I mean, you know, I I am not I am not a Johnny fan, but I did think I did think Jazza was Jazza's behaviour was so stupid as that it was the friendly thing to do to maybe give him a little little bit of a kick in the ribs. Mm. The customer's uh, always right, and um, Johnny was the customer. Jazza's trying to flog him hooky booze and get and get um, and get you know some extra money up front, wasn't he? Yeah, it's weird when it does take a twenty-year-old to talk sense to a thirty-nine-year-old. Is it? I never remember. Have you ever had a much, much, much younger friend and benefited from their more kind of open-eyed perspective on the world? Pretty much most of my friends are much younger than me. <laughs> but you know, you know what I mean, though. Like, even if you've got, even if you've got that experience, sometimes the, the you know young people can be a lot more kind of candid or straightforward about stuff, or, or see things in a kind of much more mm. maybe in, in they offer you a kind of a, a perspective that sometimes sometimes can be quite refreshing. Yeah, that's true. External perspective, because I I am quite old. Yeah, very um, old, old Gary Warbis. Older, be yeah. even older on Friday. Yeah, I'm the only one. I'm the only one under fifty here. I'm the Johnny of this situation. I better show you a bit more respect, you both. <laughs> and Royfield, I'm sorry for all of the rude things I've said. It's all right, all right. I'm that old that I've forgotten them. Uh, that's young Keith. Uh, now it's email time with an H. And and if you notice that we're speeding things up, good people, it's because my heavens, have we had a mare in terms of recording this? So, uh, Auntie Kerry Warburton, do we have any emails? got one email and it's from the very lovely richard beveridge who's on the twitters as well and he's very keen twitterer he is yeah he's entitled it the passion of the snell and he's saying uh greetings from the sun-kissed duchy of lancaster i must say i've enjoyed the casting call for the easter passion play and linda's usual arm twisting to recruit or perhaps press gang her company There was much discussion in the Archer's Twitterverse about the casting, especially the selection of Sergeant Burns as our blessed Lord. (laughs) (laughs) I thought to help cast the passion of the Snell, perhaps these villagers could be appropriately cast. St. Peter works with his hands, habitually in denial. Chris Carter, St. Andrew, fisherman, patron saint of Scotland. Jazza McCreary. Pontius Pilate, but in charge by a greater power, washes his hands of the problem and exits. Brian Aldridge. (laughs) Cephas, the high priest. Patriarch manipulates those in thrall, conducts stern and leading examination of witness at home after dark. Peggy Woolley. (laughs) The Virgin Mary, ordained by God, born free of original sin. Believed her son is God made flesh. Come on, who do you think that is? Helen. Shula Hebden. Oh, oh yes. stunning. Yeah. Yeah. Not certain of the most appropriate role for Adam Macy, but given his huge acting range, as described by Kerry, perhaps <laughs> the stone feeling the tomb. 
or even the cross itself. I look forward to the production. Keep up the excellent work and best regards to you all. Richard. Stunning content from the Dumpty Dummers. That's just a perfect parcel. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. More stunning content is about to hit you right between the ears, folks. It's our Sue, the social media roundup. Well, hello, you lovely people. Green or Tart here, Siri, um, ready to give you your social media roundup for this week. And I have a very important question to start with. When is a mug just a mug? And when is it acceptable to it to be part of a party trick? What were the scriptwriters thinking? Oh, how unhygienic. We are, it must be said, when it comes to Jade, a very divided group. Some people really like her. You know, I had to actually go and look her name up because I couldn't remember who she was because clearly I have attempted to blank her from my memory and I never want to think about her again. And I am not alone. Fiona Crawford was worried about her ending up in O&E. Actually, you're much nicer than I am. I couldn't give a toss if she went to O&E. Um, remaining, having the pasta that she'd shoved up her nose removed from it. Uh, Elizabeth Llewellyn said what I thought was that she was a middle-aged woman behaving like an immature 12-year-old boy. And poor Jim. He's our Jimus. He's not Jimbo. He's not anything like that. Oh, that made that really riled me. And poor Cicero on the mug. Oh, Wendy Rowcroft said that it was wrong in every single way, and I agree. But some people, including Matthew Penny and our own Amber, think she's fun. They're wrong. But, you know, I'm perfectly fine that everybody's entitled to have an opinion, even if you're wrong. Rob Williams said that she was channeling Carry On and Barbara Windsor. And Sue Bridge said that it was the least favourite scene ever. Can I ask you, Sue, where were you for the shower scene then? Because I have to say, that's very high up there for me, together with the ferrets. Oh, Anyway, 
Speculation is rife that it's a sledgehammer approach. Marion Pike says that's what they're doing in order to get us to love Tracy so that we can have Trazer or whatever you end up calling it, JC. It, it doesn't bear thinking about, really. Uh, Martin van der Hoevel, I hope I've said that right, says never trust a person who calls all and sundry buddy. And I completely agree. And don't put pasture up your nose, even if it has a rifling effect. Oh, that's a good bit of script writing. So we did give us this all gave us the opportunity to talk about our favourite pasta dishes. Thanks to Witherspoon, who put up a thing which made me very, very hungry indeed. Now, what I'd like to know, can anybody recommend what to do with the kale that's come in our veg box? Because I have no idea what to do with that. Wendy came back again, Wendy Raycroft, and commented something that I've been concerned with lately, that time seems to just get away from us. We don't really know where we are. How easy it is to not be clear on what day of the week it is and all of that. Uh, Lillian is glad to have any content whatsoever, but Fiona says she's forgetting what happens. I I so relate to that. She says, I know something has bugged me or something has moved me, but several days have passed. Yes, I'm completely with you there. We did get some farming content this week. Oh, that was exciting. I'm so pleased. Debbie Bridge says, don't listen to your cow-obsessed wife, David. Your cow-obsessed wife. I love that as a turn of phrase. Keep the sheep and mixed farming is very popular. Several people say lamb's more expensive in the butchers than beef and it's selling for good prices. Read of that, Art David. Don't get swayed by Ruth. I'm just hoping that we get Jill or Ben back ready because it's time to go out and check the bees. I'm working up to our first opening of the hives very soon. So I'm hoping that they're going to come back on and tell us what's going on. Richard Lucas returning to the main story, slave trading, yada, yada, prison visits. Was he guilty? Is he not guilty? All of that. Anyway, so Richard Lucas queried how Kirsty managed to get into prison. Was she wired up? And there's a lot of queries about the plea, getting information, Victoria. Oh, and that finder's fee. Oh, that put a right shudder up me, that did. But what everybody agrees on is that Kirsty's really got to be careful that she doesn't mess up the case. And also really want to shout out to Richard about your polite communication has meant that we've finally, finally ended up with a bit on the end of the Archers fan club page on Wikipedia. Well done, that man. And Alice. Alice is cured. Or is she? Answers on a postcard, please. I want to shout out to all the new members. We've had lots of lovely new people this week. And big, big love to Melly McMerryweather for reminding us not to bother tuning in on a Sunday and for liking my pasta recipe. I want you to all stay safe and well, my lovelies, and I'll see you next month. Bye-bye. Thank you for that, Sue. And uh, we'll see you at some point in early April, I do believe. Pete's Fickling, it's time for Tweets of the Week. So I'm going to need you to work with me on the silver position. And gold is a cracker. I'm confident about that. And bronze, we'll just see what happens. But you've got to give me a little bit of time on bronze, on the silver position, please. Anyway, so here we are. It's Tweet of the Week and it's bronze position as a traditional. Andrew Davidson, Andy Make the Tea, at Andy Make the Tea. I've always secretly suspected that it was my love of cushions that made me gay, but perhaps it was the other way around. <laughs> Very so, good. Yes. <laughs> and then in silver position, and this is um, Leighton Mills at Leighton Mills. 
you have to imagine the protagonists here actually engaging in this. So that's that's what sort of got me excited. Ben, have you ever considered the repair shop? I'm, you know, the Ben going in there, that uh, that earnest young uh, mixed heritage um, lad, carefully working on some lovely walnut worktops for their <laughs> for their sex caravan. You know, the the Victorian prosthetic mechanical penis that has to be <laughs> diligently put back together and all of the workings um, brought back up to speed. Obviously, maybe some lubrication, um, you know. So it just was just anyway. That's why I just like the idea of uh, um, you know Josh and Ben fully engaging in that. Anyway, so there we are, silver position. Thank you. And um, I think you know I might be. This might be the jumping the shark. Fonz is jumping the shark now. So um, an up and coming tweeter called Krai Warbais, I think at A E R I W A R B I S. I think that's pronounced correctly. And you're going to need your button again, uh, Royfield. She said, non-stop trail biking, tequila, kebabs, and shooting penny out of your nose. Fuck off. (laughs) And for me, it summed up the week. It was a terrible week's archers. And there you have it. Kerry summed it up in, yeah, quite neatly. (laughs) I was not expecting that. Yeah. Oh, Royfield, oh dear. (laughs) No, no, just, just, I I thought it was going to be able to go on a long diatribe about Cicero. Anyway, moving on. Dumpty-dum.com, go to the Scott Shop. It's got awesome things you can do. What you can also do is you can go and comment on um, past shows. You can join Tractor, which is a a great way of joining up with other people that love the archers and love Dumpty-dum equally as much as you and you can talk to them and then maybe you can go meet them so that is uh dumdydum.com one great way that you can help support this podcast by writing us a review on apple itunes if you write us a review more people get to hear about the podcast special big ups go to uh richard lucas over in krakow in poland because what he has done he's managed to get us onto wikipedia so if you look at the archers page on wikipedia in terms of fans and the support and love of the show, it mentions Dumpty Dum. So thank you, uh, Richard, for cajoling and persuading uh, the uh, gatekeepers of the archers on Wikipedia that we deserve a mention because, by golly, we've done seven years of this and uh, we deserve a mention on that page. So thank you for that. Another way that you can support the podcast other than writing a review is going on to patreon.com and for the eminently reasonable sum of two dollars per episode you can support this podcast going to patreon and become a patreon very soon we will be speaking to the evil philip moss on a friday zoom we only give that out to special people so if you have the universal symbol of um bunting on your Twitter handle, you will get a link for that and you'll be told all about that or if you follow us on Facebook. Remember to get in contact. You can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the website. And thanks to our social media supremos, Cosmo for his podcast roundups, Mike Hatton for his character counts, Shambridge for her voices and to Lucy B. Freeman. Twitter is where this whole kin caboodle started. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter where we are at Dumdy Dum. Uh, Pete Fickling, how can people find you on Twitter? Pete Fickling. Kerry Warbis. I'm at Kerry Warbis, K-E-R-I-W-A-R-B-I-S. And of course, we have a presence on Facebook. So uh, if you're on Facebook, why don't you follow us on Facebook? If you want to take around a bit of Dumdy Dum with you in your pocket as you go about your good business, download the flick app become part of the posse that's just about us just about done you'll notice that i'm speaking uh, 10 to the dozen it's because i got my italian lesson in about five minutes and we've 
practically been recording for about five hours through uh, twelve through two days. It's been an utter nightmare. Hopefully, by the time you hear this uh, edit, you'll go. Sounds like a regular dum de dum. Everybody won't. Well, oh. let, let, let's hope. Let's hope that your enjoyment of this has not been <laughs> spoiled by the fact that Zencaster went down, Zoom went down, you name it, it went wrong. But anyway, oh God, it was bad. Yeah, we have struggled to get you this show. So let's hope that it's uh, a good one. Now, play out music. Caravan of Love? Yes. Perfect. However, Sarah Evans did say, how about we recognise the fact that Dark Punk have uh, split up? So um, I think it's going to have to be Caravan of Love and maybe Dark yeah. Punk next week. All right, the folks, there you go. That's your dum dum I've got my Italian lesson to do. Pete probably got uh, Cyrus who needs to bath. Auntie Kerry Warburton has got a kids she needs to hang out with, cook dinner with, eat dinner with, and, and have a life. <laughs> boy, oh boy, this has been a struggle. <laughs> to do, to our bits. Your patience, boy. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> See ya.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.